Welcome, friends, to Sanctimonious, a weekly podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss a new topic every week. This week, we're talking about my Origins experience and the Archimedes bug. My name is Jake, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Dan, how's it going? Hey, 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 I'm still here. I think I'm over the head cold. I think this is going to be the first week without the head cold, so if my voice is different and not as soothing, I guess I'll go get another head cold. So I just got back from Origins last night. So this is going to be a very fresh recap um, and just talking through my experience at Con, how the tournament went, some key takeaways, and hopefully you'll enjoy it a lot. But before we get into that main topic, why don't we go first, as always, into our inspiration, one thing Keyforge related that inspired us this week. I get to go first because yours is going to lead us into our main topic. So I also went on a trip this weekend, but it was not to a vault tour. It was to a campsite on the San Juan Islands of Washington, which was pretty fun. But one of my buddies came up that I taught to play Keyforge this winter, and we got to jam some games the night before the camping trip. They came up a night early because it was a bit further for them driving. Um, so yeah, so we got to play some games. I gave him like my best Coda decks to run and I was running some of my new AOA decks that I hadn't had a chance to run yet. And yeah, uh, it was just really cool to see kind of the way the two decks, like the two sets kind of play against each other. And I mean, the decks I gave him were really good. Um, and it was actually really fun. It was super challenging. I think I only won one game and that was thanks to Martian Generosity Key Abduction which is not broken at all. So don't nerf it and, you know, listen to this podcast and nerf nerf my f- new favorite combo. But that was the only game I won all night. Uh, I went one and four against him. And like, it was really fun for him because, you know, at even strength, I'm probably beating him. But um, I mean, these were my like two of my better coded decks, like probably my top five coded decks. So I mean, they're like really, really good. And I was just playing kind of just some of the AOA decks that I just opened out of my box and even with the experience gap, like, you know, he he's not, he's just newer. He doesn't have quite the experience. He's probably pay, played all of like 15, 20 games now. And yeah, like he could just tell. He's like, well, this is crazy because like the decks we played the last time we got together were kind of middle of the road coded decks. And this time it was, you know, he's like, I'm just playing cards and making Amber. Like this is so much easier than the last time <laughs> we played. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like that because, uh, I gave him Maven, which is like my really good kind of control steel heavy deck. And then my other one he played is Carrington, which is like a super rush deck with like double Flaxia, double full moon, hunting witch. Like it just makes Amber so fast. And then the Shadow's House is actually really good with Fagin and double double urchins as well. And yeah, he just, he piloted both decks really efficiently. And I made games out of some of them. Like they were close, but it just... Yeah, the power level of those was so much higher. So it was just really fun. That was like a cool way to make it a fun night for both of us. So we had a really good time. He really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed it because I kind of got to see how like Coda does really play out. Like single cards are super powerful, whereas it feels like AOA right now is more like two to three card combos are really powerful, but not so much like you just play this card out of hand and you get a huge effect out of it. 
the Italy vault tour is coming up soon, and that'll be the first Archon vault tour with uh, COA and AOA both legal. So it'll be really interesting to sort of see how that shakes out at that level. Coda, C-O-T-A. Well, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Call of Archon. I think like, but what kind of your experience is sort of like important in that a lot of people probably already have quite a few decks from cota that they know are good and are still sort of getting their foot uh their feet set with the new set so it'll be interesting what people bring and try out and i'll be really excited to maybe dive into those results in a future episode yeah and that'll be really great to see how how they kind of match up against each other when you get the really good aoa decks versus the really good coda decks i think that'll be super fascinating well let's jump over to my inspiration and there were a lot of things that inspired me this week, as we'll talk more about, but I had one really interesting conversation uh, that I wanted to highlight from Origins, and I was talking to a guy named Will, and he's from the New York City Keyforge community, and we just had a great discussion about you know, how friendly and welcoming Keyforge is compared to uh, other collectible card games that we both had experience with. And, you know, how that's a great thing and how we can maintain it. And I made the point that, you know, as Keyforge is still relatively small and growing, it's really easy to give people that like one-on-one attention if they're come out to their first event and you've got only, you know, eight to 12 people there or fewer, you know, you can really go out, talk to them, make sure they're having fun, kind of help coach them along. Whereas if it's a magic tournament that's getting 40 people every Friday night, uh, it might be harder to give that same attention to new players. And Will made this really excellent point about how building community, even at big events, is something we can all do. And talked about how every time he plays a game against somebody, you know, if he wins, he makes it you know his priority to check in on that person throughout the day and really treats it like they're on a team now because his tiebreakers are tied to, you know, how this opponent does. I really like that concept of making friends out of your enemies, so to speak. And frenemies. You know, it's just great. And there's tons of wonderful people in the Keyforge community. So, Will, it was really a pleasure uh, meeting you and getting to chat. No, that's super cool. I wish tiebreakers actually mattered in this game other than just right, I know. X- <laughs> X1. Because then, yeah, that, that sounds really cool. But no, that's, that is really neat. Like at the Voltour Seattle we had that too with like some of the guys I played with and some of the side events. Um, we kind of would hang out in between rounds during the main event and just check in on how everybody was doing. And it was kind of cool. Like this little mini community of these guys I'd never met until I walked through the doors of Vault Tour Seattle and played a side event and got to kind of know them, you know, playing in that, in that event together and just kind of talking in between. And then afterwards, Dan, if you'll indulge me, I would also want to give a really quick shout out to some of the amazing people I met this weekend. <sighs> Oh, yeah, go for it, man. All right, great. So first up, it was so cool to meet uh, quite a few people from our Sanctimonious Discord, people who are podcast listeners and people we talk with, you know, virtually every day in person. So I got to meet uh, Lady Caffina, Dr. Sheep, and then Verbally Insane from our Discord, who are all sort of active users. That was fantastic. Um, Verbally Insane actually was one who helped me to find a place to stay for the weekend. So an extra shout out to him and his friend, uh, Kendra. Uh, They're both fantastic people and great to hang out with all weekend. Uh, Then 
there were some amazing folks I got to meet from Team Reapout. So there's John Claude, who does John Claude Keyforge content on YouTube. He actually gave me a ride to the event from St. Louis. So that was really great. Uh, awesome guy, super friendly, incredibly intelligent, uh, the way he thinks about the game. Jake, Lord of the Moochers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he also introduced me to Charles, Chad, Casey, Colleen, and Jason, all from Team Reapout. Uh, we had a lot of good time hanging out, having a few drinks together. That was fantastic. We got to meet Eric, uh, Justice Blinded from Team SAS and had some hey. great conversation. I hung out with him in uh, VT Seattle. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. great guy. Cool guy. Uh, I unfortunately had the pleasure to meet Nathan and Ben from Team SAS. More on that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> the unfortunate pleasure. Got to meet Michael from Archons of Indie. Great guy doing a ton for the community out there. Kodamron from Bouncing Death Quark, a man who probably needs uh, no introduction at this point in Keyforge. Everyone at the staff uh, of Cascade Events, they were just great all weekend, super helpful, ran a tight ship. And then there were probably a dozen or so other people that I got to meet playing against, people who came up to me because they knew about the podcast, people who said that they're planning to listen to the podcast in the future. Uh, so, you know, really all those people just made it an incredibly uh, wonderful and fun event and weekend. So thanks to all of you guys for just being great. Great people being great. Love it. All right. On to the main topic. Main topic. Vault Tour Origins. Origins, 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 origins. <laughs> Let's do this chronologically. So I already mentioned, but I got to ride up to the event with John Claude, who's another local player to St. Louis. Um, and... It was really cool because I guess we look at the game a little bit differently in, in some regards. And uh, so we've had some great conversations. And I really think just spending uh, six and a half hours in a car with him uh, on the way to the event it really stepped up my game. Here's a question. Had, had you guys ever spent time together before? Uh, no. So I've met him twice uh, before, maybe three times, just at random events. I actually just randomly sent him a Facebook message on Wednesday. And I was basically like, hey, had a passing thought, but it might be kind of stupid if we were both just happened to be driving to Columbus from St. Louis tomorrow morning. And he sort of messaged me back like, yeah, what time were you going to leave? So yeah, let's just put that out there for anybody else. Yeah, if you have a local community, I've done this before for other games too. I mean, if somebody plays the same game as you, if you kind of have a knowledge of them beforehand and you know, I mean, safety concerns and all that stuff are checked off. Everything feels good. It's so amazing. Like, I know I did a four-hour road trip with a dude that I think I've played, like, two games against him in another game system. But, we, like, the entire four and a half hours, it's like you find a long-lost friend because you have the same, you know, the same interests and passions. So it's, like, so easy to make that car ride so much more bearable as you just drive and talk to a cool new person. Yeah. So we arrive safe and sound, and... I. He basically drops me off at the convention because I'm going to be staying at a hotel attached to it. And I go in, I'm like, okay, I've got some time to play a sealed pod. So the first thing I do, I get my pass. I walk up to the registration deck and they're like, okay, we need 20 generic event tickets for you to participate in that. Okay, like what is that? <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe it's because I'm new to conventions or whatever, but that was a little bit off-putting. I just expected I could just, you know, pay money to play. What? Money? No. <laughs> so I'd walk all the way back to the registration deck to get, you know, these generic tickets to give them. So my very first experience was sort of, like, negative. It was just like, okay, that was... Unnecessary. I'll say Walter Seattle, I actually just was able to pay at the counter, so lucky me. A games person at the con where it was probably a requirement to do the generic tickets, but could be wrong. Anywho, so you did a, uh, what was your first event you did? So my first event was a survival sealed tournament. So the exact same format as the Vault Tour, where you'd get three random decks, you'd have 15 minutes to open eval- and evaluate them, and then choose one to play. So I guess the difference here is instead of playing one the whole time, like you do in the main event, if you lose with one deck, you switch to your second deck and start playing that. If you lose with that, you play to your third, and if you lose with that, then you're out of the tournament. Yeah, it's not true survival. Yeah, it's a four-round sur- side event. So if you ever do sign up for a survival side event at a vault tour, just know going in that it's going to be four rounds, and you want to put your first, your best deck first. I don't. I won't go in depth in this at all. But the only notable thing was I end up going three and one. The deck I lost to was maybe the best KeyForge deck I've ever seen in person. <laughs> it was a triple exhum Ronnie. Uh, wrist lock deck which is just absolutely disgusting you know he's constantly recurring the steel effect yeah like it's crazy because i mean you think about the exhum play with either ronnie or schuler i mean that's a two amber swing well it's even like i don't know he's gaining two amber you're losing one and every time he does that and if he's in the rare case like he's gaining three amber and you're losing two if ronnie's really set up correctly so yeah that makes exhum so good with its already raw amber pip on it and getting to play one of those steel dudes again. Uh, so that was all for that. I went 3-1. Nice. and I was feeling pretty good about my ability to compete. How many people signed up in the uh, side event there? I think there were 20. Nice. It was like it was, it was like 19 or 20, 21 people right in that range. Awesome. Yeah, so that was great. So that was like helping to get my confidence up a little bit uh, going into day two. Really quick, what was kind of what was what was the engine of your deck? You haven't said anything about your deck. We talked about some other dude's deck. Let me pull it up really quick. <laughs> People want to know what you actually ran. What did you think was your best deck? When did you lose that last game? Was that in the three zero round? No, it was. I lost my second round of the day. The deck I chose had two routine jobs, uh, two sucker punches, and a spirit's way. So it's like uh, it had pretty good steel, pretty good board control. Uh, that's kind of the deck I typically like to go for. So I felt like my deck was well above the power curve, uh, but it was absolutely no match for the deck <laughs> I lost to in any way, shape, or form. And then I ended up switching to a deck that was, I think, Brobnar Sanctum uh, Untamed, and it was just like heavy board control, good creatures, and, and that ended up performing well for me as nice. well in the final two rounds. All right, day two. Friday. So that was the first half of the vault tour qualifiers so that was vault tour uh, qualifier 1a um so you could pick either friday or saturday to compete in and i chose saturday just so i could have more time to practice with the new cards and practice with the format i you know decided to sign up again for another sealed survival event so i'd have one more chance to practice opening three decks evaluating uh and, and going through all of that I once again ended up going three and one in that event, uh, but the round I lost was pretty notable for a couple of reasons. 
So I sit down and I'm playing, you know, I greet my opponent. She's a uh, very nice. Uh, we have a little bit of a chat and eventually she says, I think I know you. <laughs> and I'm like looking at her like face isn't like ringing any bells. So then she like holds up her coffee cup that she's drinking and gives me kind of like a knowing look. And I'm so I'm like trying to parse this situation. And in my head, I'm like, does this person think we were standing next to each other in line for coffee? Like, <laughs> I really have no idea what's going on. So I'm just like, I'm sorry, no idea. But anyway, we just keep playing the game. Uh, and at some point in the game, she's like, I'm on the Discord. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's your username? And she's like, I'm Lady, like, Caffeina, like, the coffee cup, get it? And I'm like, oh, you really got to spell it out for me. I guess I'm quite dense when it comes to that kind of thing. Jake, sort of dense. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty funny. I felt, you know, I felt like a fool, but it was really cool uh, to meet in person and to be playing gaming together. And then the game itself was awesome. Uh, it was completely back and forth the whole time. My deck I pulled in this one was a time traveler deck uh, with some pretty cool tricks. Uh, and so I kind of, I think I raced out to a pretty good lead uh, she played the sting to sort of even the playing field. And then we're basically just in a pure race uh, at that point. And there was a pivotal moment. Pivotal moment. Yeah. When I was playing shadows and I had, I was going to get up to at least six or seven Amber uh, with the cards in my hand. Uh, but I decided before playing out the cards, I would play Merkins uh, for the top card of Lady Kafina's deck to, you know, see what I got, which might inform the order I played my other card. And I ripped a Dusk Witch off the top, ending my turn. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have would have won the game. Like, I think it's very possible I would have lost the game anyway. Um, but that was definitely the moment that sort of sealed it for her and it but it was great it was like one of those like that was like a great story like that's kind of why we play keyforge it didn't work out for me that time but i learned an important lesson merkins and wild wormhole they can either be your best friend or your greatest enemy yeah so that was great so before we move on from lady caffeina congrats on day twoing she uh you lost to a worthy foe yeah absolutely and the only uh, uh the, the sanctimonious discordians that were there uh to day two yes so uh congratulations again that was awesome every time i got a like glimmer of cell service on the island i was like how are how are the sanctimonious people doing how are the sanctimonious people doing so the deck i switched to was uh brobnar mars logos and it just had uh it wasn't a deck I, I really thought much of when i was evaluating my deck it had like a couple of grogans um and some other you know big guys Groke two bingle bang bangs um but you know not, nothing too exciting but playing that deck again it just felt really powerful just like getting those that big board uh it had a war chest i was able to just control the game uh reap reap up amber uh and and so i think playing those two events like it really helped me to realize uh the viability and effectiveness of sort of these big body strategies in a way that I wasn't aware of going into the event. Yeah, no. And like I said, it kind of 
going back to my inspiration, just the whole AOA is more about kind of establishing that board. And Brobnar definitely gives you a pretty solid set of bodies to establish a board with and then some cool effects once they're established on board. I was also like cooling a little bit on shadows. And I think that still just because of my experience, you know, playing shadows and dominating with shadows and getting dominated by shadows and basically every call of the Archon sealed event I ever did. Yeah, I definitely went in with sort of that expectation that shadows is still the best. Um, so in both of the sealed events, I picked shadows decks. And in both cases, the actual shadow portion of the deck kind of let me down. Yeah. Uh, it was, so I, I'm start, I was starting to cool a little bit on, you know, just how good it I think Shadows is. I still think they're probably the best house when you get the best possible right. set. Like if you get three Ronnie Ristle Clocks and that type of thing. But just like in terms of average Like I said, power. I think they're like the new Mars of this set. Like Mars of Coda is now Shadows of AOA. Like if you get the really good Shadows house, like it's still really, really good. But there are just some Shadows lineups where you're just like, well, I think this should be good. And then you play it and it's like, oh, that that felt terrible. <laughs> there's so many, like just, oh, so many. There's so many bad cards in Shadows now. Like and there's still the good there's still the good steel cards, and I think one star peeps put out the stats that six of the eight top eight decks still had shadows in them. So I mean if you do get that good shadows lineup or if you get that deck where the shadows really does work well, I mean it's still super powerful because steel stealing amber is about the best thing you can do in the game. Like it's such a swing into gaining you amber and preventing your opponent from having amber that it's probably the most powerful effect and it is the house that does it cool all right so we'll move on uh to my final day which was for me the main event uh this is saturday and at the beginning of the day i'm not even gonna lie i was so nervous like i couldn't believe how nervous i was uh but i was like literally like doing like breathing exercises to try and calm myself down uh, which is weird because I've played all kinds of, you know, competitive card games and uh, sports my whole life. And I've never really felt like my nerves just kind of go crazy like that. And I think it had to do with just the fact that like doing this podcast to some extent. <laughs> you didn't want to be a failure. Just go like 03 and completely exactly. wash up. Nobody wants to listen to you anymore. You washed up hack. Yeah, like I put, like, <laughs> I, I know that's not true, but even still, it it felt like I put pressure on myself to do well. Like we do this podcast because, you know, we think we are adding some amount of value. Uh, so, you know, it just felt like I didn't want to show up and just get washed. Um, so I was really nervous. I was going to, I was nervous. I was going to open something bad and this not be able to compete at all. And then I'd be like making excuses. So that was like basically where my head was at the beginning of the day. Uh, basically just expecting to go O three, and then I was like already coming up with excuses. Cancel the podcast. Yeah, podcast's over. Thanks, guys. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> we'll come back yeah. if we ever get good at the game. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, no, I feel that. Yeah, so I was sitting with John uh, Klein. We were talking about it a little bit. And then uh, another St. Louis player came up. Uh, Newman is his name. And he had actually qualified uh, on the previous day already, a very good player. And he was like, just so you guys know, like there's this crazy way they're ruling on Archimedes all weekend. We're going to get more, much more into that later on, but Archimedes, basically the way they were ruling this card, uh, which says 
uh, each of its neighbors gain destroyed archive this creature. If somebody were to play a board clear against you, or you were to play a board clear yourself, instead of just archiving the two neighbors, uh, the way the rules work is that Archimedes would actually archive all of its neighbors uh, down your battle line. Left and right. Yep. That's a huge ruling that really changes the game. And that was the first I had heard about it, like moments before looking at my sealed pool. A nice tip and, you know, something that like I felt like gave me a slight edge over some people that probably hadn't yet heard about that at that point. Pairings go up and we go, I go find my table, sit down, uh, having a nice conversation with the uh, everyone sitting around me. Uh, and, and around that time, Kodamron from Bouncing Death Quark comes up. And he had also played previously on Friday and also already had qualified for Top Cut. And I had introduced myself. We had a nice talk the day before. And he came up and asked if I'd be interested in opening my decks and doing my deck evaluation on stream. And I'm like <laughs> sitting there like so nervous already. Like, no, man. Like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, okay, cool. We'd also talked about getting one of my games on stream uh, just when I was playing, like the day before. And I was like, sure, no problem. That'd be fine. But then like at that point, I was so nervous. I was like, actually, I don't want to play on stream. Like I just, <laughs> I don't want that extra pressure. Uh, Jake, Lord of the chickens. <laughs> I was I'm like, a, yeah, I was like definitely chicken out hardcore. Jake, performance anxiety. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But he was super gracious about it. Really great guy. Uh, he was like, no, don't worry about it. Just like do the best you can. I was like, all right, man, I'll do that. So that was nice. Um, okay. So finally, here we are. I get handed three decks and I have 15 minutes to open, which is no small feat. So I say that like joking, but truly you might spend a couple of minutes opening so anyway, why don't we talk just briefly about the three decks I was handed, and then I'll talk about kind of the way I made my choice in the end. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right, so the first one is called The Undulating Scribe. Uh, so this deck is a Logos Mars Shadow deck. Uh, we're not going to read through the whole list uh, on these just because that's a ton of information to kind of keep in your head as you're listening to this. But if you are interested in looking at the whole list, I've posted all three deck lists on my Twitter, which is just at Jake Freed. Uh, so you can you can take a look there if you're interested. And, and I'd love to hear your feedback as well on what uh, you would have selected. So this first one is Logos Mars and Shadows. So I just want to talk uh, briefly about what I saw as the pros and cons of this deck. Uh, so the first pro was that this the Mars in this has 10 creatures plus Hypnotic Command. And if you're not familiar, Hypnotic Command is a rare that says play. For each Mars creature, choose an enemy creature to capture one from their own side. Sorry, for each friendly Mars creature. Yeah, sorry. For each friendly Mars creature. And it's important to note they don't have to be ready or anything. So you could just drop a handful of creatures and then Hypnotic Command right there for like a massive amber swing. Uh, so that was, you know, seeing that with so many creatures, like my eyes are getting really big already. Uh Plus destroy them all, which is a great card right now that says play, destroy an artifact, a creature, and an upgrade. Just super handy. Yeah, that card is amazingly... That, that's a very powerful card. Uh, I think, I'm sort of, at the time, I think I even was undervaluing that card as well. Um, 
So then the other thing I really liked about it was the logos had three times Igor. So I was already imagining a situation where you drop an Igor uh, that says, look at your top three cards, put one in your hand, discard the other two. So, you know, like drop an Igor, maybe find another Igor, you know, maybe find another logos card. Like You could do some really crazy stuff uh, with three of those in your deck and just dig through it. And the uh, ZYX researcher combo there too. So it says it's another two power logos creature that says play archive the top card of your deck or the top card of your discard pile so if you hit igor into that or if you have that in your hand before you start whatever card you put on top you can play the zyx researcher next to set that aside for a following turn which is really nice yeah great combo there as well um so yeah so those two houses were looking pretty nice um the cons of the deck however uh was that there was only five uh free amber pips on all the cards combined uh, so it wasn't the kind of deck that could win just by playing a lot of cards, you know, uh, so that like the Igor trick, for instance, might give me a few cards out, but it's not necessarily going to be getting me any Amber at all. And then the creatures in Mars specifically. So even though I had 10 creatures, uh, two of those were agent human, uh, which is a two power creature, uh, with elusive and it says reap, choose a friendly non-Mars creature and an enemy non-Mars creature stun those creatures and then uh the think drone which is i can archive a friendly creature artifact from play uh so i know we talked a little about think drone being a little better in this set but i still felt like you know four of those 10 creatures are pretty low impact on average um so that that knocked it down just a bit and then i also saw quite a few just dead cards in general um in, in, in Logos, or sorry, Dead Cards in Logos, rather. So it also had uh, Transportation Sandals, like gives you an Amber. Transposition. But swapping something in the in the battle line, not so great. Pocket Universe, so that's uh, another art. This is an artifact where you can spend Amber on Pocket Universe when forging keys. Um, action, move one Amber from your pool to pocket universe so it's like good against some decks but in sealed when you don't know what kind of artifact destruction your opponent has seemed pretty bad and then another artifact seismo entangler which choose a house during your opponent's next turn creatures a chosen house cannot be used to reap maybe that's a good card but i i evaluate it to be pretty poor it seems like a lot of times it would just choose to do something else yeah that's a lot about this one the shadows isn't really anything you've got to swindle it was Swindle and Americans is kind of the standouts. Yeah. A couple of throwing stars and one sucker punch. Um, yeah. It's nothing super, super exciting to write home about. So so the next one. All right. So this is Cataspace, the Counselor of Money. <laughs> Great name. So the thing I really liked most about this deck looking through it uh, is that there are two sets or three sets of two cards that I like all of a lot. So it's got two times Gray Rider, which is... Uh, a great combo we've talked about before on the podcast where if they don't have any creatures to fight on the board, you're essentially reaping for six uh, just by pinging them off each other. Two times Archimedes, which we've already talked about. That's a fantastic card. And I knew even better maybe than some people were thinking going into the event. And then two times Igor, which we just talked about, but a great card as well. Um, However, when I was looking at this deck, I, I, I saw the Untamed and I just, just didn't really like it very much. It had three glimmers, which is a great card as alpha. And then it says play return a card from your discard 
pile to your hand. But I was just envisioning situations where if you have like more than one of those in your hand, then you're just forced into discarding. So it's just kind of seemed awkward to have three. Yeah, I mean, looking at your sanctum, obviously the best house. You've got an epic quest, which Glimmer could potentially help set up that epic quest turn. But yeah, no, like two Glimmers, great. Three Glimmers, Yeah, and then like I was also looking like, what am I even getting back that's super impactful? Like, ideally, you're getting something from Untamed. That well, right, but ideally, you'd get something from Untamed that you can like play right away. And I just didn't see anything that was gonna like, you know, really turn the game. So like, Choda is good. Glimmer into regrowth into Choda. Yeah, I yeah, that's I mean that's like a good play in some situations but it's also not like a play that's going to help me if i'm behind at all yeah again you only have 15 minutes to do this so you're thinking quickly on the fly but i i sort of like saw this list and especially looked at the untamed and i kind of set this one aside i was like i think this is not going to be the one i play um as i was going through it yeah six raw amber pips you have two key cheats with the epic quest and the choda but yeah, um, the Logos isn't super awesome. It's got two library babbles, which isn't the best artifact. I mean, it's nice drawing cards, but not amazing. So yeah. I just didn't see any like board control really or amber control. So it's like you have to race and like, I guess win with Epic Quest or like a Choda play. But And I just didn't feel like confident that like this would be able to consistently do that yeah it's got a hey joss wall gorm warm man i want you to i i'm i'm excited for you to play this deck and report back sometime yeah i definitely will when you start jamming some games with it it looks really interesting i think there's a lot there that's not immediately um apparent but i think this is another one of those decks where you'd have to play it a bunch of times to really figure the ins and outs of it right probably not the best one to walk into a sealed vault tour with this one got eliminated, so we're we're down to still considering Undulating Scribe and the next one, which is... Always Aimless Oasinth. And this is Logos, Mars, and Sanctum. And the pros here, which has eight bonus amber, which is not amazing, but it was the most... I'm saying nine here on the actual SAS ratings. Okay, but I think one of those is uh, Martian Generosity, which I wasn't counting. I suppose, but... It's still there. Okay, nine. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Another pro is that it has Martian Generosity, which is a crazy card. Yeah, so good. But it's just missing the key abduction in this deck. Yeah, so it doesn't have anything uh, to combo into, really. I mean, you're just paying a lot of Amber to hopefully draw a bunch of Mars creatures to put them out on the board, which isn't terrible. I don't know. So without the key abduction... Even doing it for, th- so if you're at three and you play that to go to four to draw to eight cards, I don't know. There's still some good returns on drawing eight cards. Yeah, definitely. Because that's in addition to whatever cards you currently have in hand. It's such a weird card that plays so differently from kind of anything else where you're like paying a bunch of amber to draw cards. Um, so it was like something when I was evaluating the deck, like I, I, it's not a card I have any experience playing with. So I was kind of nervous. Like it was sort of a question mark for me. Like I know this seems good and I hear it's really good, but I haven't actually used it. 
like will I be able to use it effectively or will I play it in moments when it would be better just to like you know reap up to six for instance if you're at three yeah it definitely is it's it's a skill tester without the key abduction like key abduction makes the card so easy to play because you know you're going to get the key anyway so you're not really sacrificing I mean you're sacrificing the amber but you're not sacrificing the amber because it's still getting you the key right definitely without the uh, key abduction it makes it harder to tell when you should actually fire it off and lose the amber in order to draw the cards i mean that one like without key ejection yeah it's probably better at like one or two amber where you're just drawing like you're getting to like three amber drawing six or two amber drawing four man i don't know i don't know yeah it's tough so anyway the other thing i liked about it uh was it has got two times armor smith which gives all your creatures plus one armor uh, and one times fixed finger which gives martians plus one armor so it's just like durable creatures um and then it has Again, double Archimedes, and has synergy with the Neutron Shark and Spirit's Way, which just briefly, both of those I could use to clear out a bunch of my opponent's creatures and my own with mine going to the archive. And don't forget about double Professor Sutterkin. That's pretty good. That's pretty good as well, yeah. So there's there's good synergies in there. The cons were it has some dead cards. Cutthroat Research, we both hate on this podcast. Uh, binate rupture i don't know how you feel about that but i hate that card um, uh, yeah i mean those are only good if you ha- like if you had like proclamation like three four six e in sanctum like cutthroat research is amazing um binate rupture is kind of sad face when you don't have uh the inter- interdimensional graph to follow it up so yeah i mean like mainly it's the dead cards so also like boredom the redeemed is another card that i don't think is very good at all that's a sanctum creature that can capture amber. We talked about carpet floxum. That's if you don't have any creatures on the board, you can deal four damage to each enemy creature, gain one amber. Like that is situationally awesome, but in reality, it's almost always just gain one amber. Just fine. Like playing a card to gain amber is good. Like as we're seeing, you have the raw amber in all of your decks uh, is you know the top one is nine or eight if depending on how you factor in general and your other consideration has five printed ambers so yeah so it's fine but not not something i'm super excited about and then i have fetch drones which is a really weird it's such a weird logos card so yeah fetch drones is a rare action discard the top two cards of your deck for each logos card discarded this way a friendly keep a friendly creature captures two so it's like logos like made an artifact with sanctum like, I don't know. <laughs> Super weird. And honestly, like, not something I... If something I evaluate is basically, like, this is a dead card in this deck. Looking at your list of logos card. I mean, if you don't have your Binate Rupture yet, like, discarding Binate Rupture to capture two seems really good. So if that's still in the deck, I'd probably tap that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, those are my three decks. Which would you have picked if you were in my shoes? <clears throat> so, I mean, we eliminated the middle one because, like, we both agreed it's just going to be tough to evaluate um yeah the triple Igor, destroy them all hypnotic command i like dust chronicles because you get to draw cards if you're behind is more amber so i'm looking spirits hey what's what's your board clears in this one there are no board clears in this one yeah i would probably go with always aimless just because of the board clears like you just want to have ways to Clear the board. Neutron Shark also works against artifacts, so you've got some good artifact removal. Plus, Always Aimless also has Destroy Them All in it as well. So there's another artifact removal. 
So you've got Neutron Shark, destroy them all. You have Remote Access, which doesn't get rid of artifacts, but you can at least tap it down when you need something out of the way if they have like a Lash of Broken Dreams. Yeah, I'd probably go with Always Aimless. It just seems it's got the most raw amber. Dang it. I'm so disappointed that we agree. I was hoping we were going to disagree, <laughs> but that's the one I played. Uh, would you be surprised to know that I put all these lists on Twitter and asked people to vote on which one they would have picked? And four people picked Cataspace, the one we immediately eliminated. Two people picked Undulating Scribe, and only one person voted for Always Aimless, <laughs> the one I picked. So that kind of cracked me up. Yeah, no, and I mean, I can see, I mean, definitely, they're, they're all, you kind of got like that middle of the road pool, I feel like. Like right. all three of them were just kind of like, none of them, like there's not really one standout. Like the middle one we eliminated, we probably just eliminated because, like we said, it it would it would just be one of those decks you're not really sure how it runs until you've run like 10 or 15 games with it and you kind of know how you're supposed to like what you're supposed to glimmer and when you're supposed to glimmer and that kind of stuff that was the decision and then i only had 15 minutes to do this so it really came down to just always aim with and undulating scribe and i was like down to the wire i had to sleeve one and really the thing that pushed me over the edge for always aimless was just because i had played in those other events and I knew how important like a durable board was, uh, you know, creatures that would stick around. So just seeing the fixed finger and the two armor smith, like that was really the thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be able to get out creatures and they're going to be harder to remove than in this other deck. No beam is good too. So there's a hypno beam in the Mars house. Hypno beam and Mars first. So some of these cards like Mindworm, Mindworm's a one power elusive creature from Mars says before fight the creature mindworm fights deals damage equal to its power to each of its neighbors so yeah it's pretty cool like if they have a big say like a lollop in the middle of two other creatures you can have mindworm just throw himself into the lollop lollop would be great because lollop doesn't hit back oh my goodness that's so good that'd be nice <laughs> so, yeah. yeah lollop <laughs> smashes the two people the two creatures next to him for 11 apiece and he and the mindworm takes no damage from fighting lollops. So there's your best case scenario: mindworm into Mars first into a lollop to uh, clear two creatures off your opponent's board. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Thanks, Dan. Uh, anyway, uh, so we played. So I picked that deck, and I'm just going to briefly. I guess going it right. So then we're going right into round one, and my thinking is like, dang it, man! Like these decks are not what I was hoping to open i really feel like i just don't have a deck here that's good enough to like really win the tournament and probably not to go five and one but i'm gonna give it my best try and for you sass lovers out there none of his decks got out of the 70s just to kind of give you an idea of the sass level which is still being formulated but no they they all kind of felt like good good decks that just weren't quite there to great i'll just very very briefly uh talk about how the tournament went for me uh so in the first round i sit down no idea how it's gonna go i sit next to a nice uh, across the table from a really nice woman who had driven up from massachusetts the most notable thing about this round is that at our table of six there were four women um so that was really cool to see and uh they were like this is awesome you know like never seen this many women at a card game tournament and that type of thing so that was cool um I ended up winning the game and I actually noticed a synergy in this game that's very obvious in hindsight, but I didn't think about at all when evaluating my deck, which is that um, Maruk the Mark, it gives 
when it's armor takes damage, you capture that many. So it's just the synergy between a, a bond, the armorsmith giving Murik extra armor. So I was like capturing three armor a turn or three amber a turn in this game. I was like, this is pretty crazy, actually. <laughs> yeah, plus you have armor now. Super. Right, exactly. Uh, so then I win that game uh, pretty handily. I'm feeling slightly better about my deck. I go into round two and my opponent drops Time Traveler right away. I'm like, okay, so I got a Time Traveler deck. I'm kind of wor- nervous. It's very, very close game. The midway point, we probably both have about one key, three or four armor. Three or four amber. Why do I keep saying armor? Uh, man, this Sanctum stuff's getting in my head, dude. Uh, so anyway, it's a really close game. I've got a pretty big board and for the first time today, I've got three or four big sanctum creatures next to my Archimedes, and I look at my hand, Spirit's Way. So I actually called over the judge before <laughs> I made the play because I just wanted to make sure like Newman wasn't screwing with me or something. <laughs> like this is gonna work the way I think it is, right? And he's like, "Yep." So you know, I reap for five, destroy everything on the board, archive all my creatures. And my opponent, actually, he calls the judge over again to, like, explain it to him as well, which I totally respect and understand uh, doing. Never be afraid to call the judge over to make sure that you understand what your opponent's doing. Yeah, so it did, in fact, work out that way for me. And, and my opponent wasn't, he was very, like, gracious and finished out the game, but that was the pivotal moment. It was all me after that. Uh, and... Anyway, so he actually ended up wanting to just drop from the tournament after that. So he was pretty upset by the ruling, I suppose. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that was unfortunate. So anyway, up to 2-0. So then I sit down to my third round game, and the guy I'm playing is like, I think you played my wife earlier. And like, so these two people had driven up from Massachusetts for this event, and now I have to play both of them in this <laughs> tournament. So I felt kind of bad. Uh, about that i was like man i don't want to knock out their whole carpool here uh, <laughs> it's just one loss they can still x yeah. one right that's right uh so anyway uh we ended up this was a really close game that ended up going almost to times so there were a bunch of people kind of gather around watching us wrap up this game uh and, and you know ultimately i came on top and the big key here was he had um i think grump buggy and maybe a, another good artifact or two that were really keeping me off forging keys um but i just had enough an- enough artifact control to kind of clear those out uh just in the nick of time uh and, and forge my third key so i'm three and oh in the tournament feeling obviously you're three oh because you're running sanctum so i mean duh yeah so like all of a sudden like i'm starting like man maybe this deck isn't so bad i'm actually talking to uh dr sheep from our discord he's like yeah just wait until you play uh nathan uh who's core fan the number one ranked player in the world like play it until you play his deck it's crazy i just watched him like you know beat the snot out of somebody and uh i was like okay and so i go up look at pairings it's nathan like i get to play him <laughs> now I was like oh god the creator of sass the creator of sass yeah and decks a keyboard so anyway really good guy uh this game was not close at all I played very poorly, um, too, which was just embarrassing. Not that it mattered, because uh, I basically had no chance in the game at all. I just kept drawing, like, 2-2-2. Two, 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 two. Uh, so, you know, my deck was sort of just working against me. Cool kid's way of saying two cards of, like, 
So let's see here. This deck would be two Mars cards, two Logos cards, two Sanctum cards. So on your turn, like your options aren't super great. It's better to have like a 4-2 hand or a 5-1 hand as opposed to like a straight split of 2-2-2. Because when you're playing 2-2-2, you're just not cycling through your deck very quickly. And you just don't have that many options on your turn. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny too. Because uh, I just like couldn't get any Amber. Like because I for whatever reason, like I guess I wasn't drawing my Amber Pips and none of my creatures could stick. And he's just like, at one point, he's just like playing Ronnie Wristlocks out of his hand. Just like, you're like countering my strategy. I don't know if it's working for you, but like, so it's just like, I was doing so poorly that he was basically just like discarding one of the best Amber control cards in the game. So anyway, I lose three keys to zero. So now I'm like, yeah, that was pretty much as I expected. I'm still 3-1, still got a chance, have to win the next two games. So round five, I'm paired against uh, an opponent. I He seemed really, really nice. And this game was over in about five minutes flat. My deck <laughs> just went absolutely crazy. It was kind of one of those, like the exact opposite of the one before. Like I maybe started with like five Logos cards in my hand. Uh, just played out a couple of Professor Sutterkins. And I, I, I essentially drew my entire deck four or five turns into the game by like reaping for like draw like 16 or something he just like couldn't get him off the board for whatever reason and that that was it so that felt really good <laughs> two three four five six seven seven's the maximum number of logos creatures you have so 14's your maximum draw size there sir <laughs> okay yeah whatever i don't remember exactly what it was but it was it was a lot and it was like multiple turns in a row like i did it once he couldn't kill the creatures and it's like that and then he just like basically i was like okay good game uh, and then finally, in round six, win and in game. I sit down and I'm like already not happy because I'm playing against yet another member of Team SAS. The first time I sat down against one of the people in the blue SAS shirts, it was Nathan who handed me a stunning defeat. And now I'm playing against Ben from Team SAS. So I was, you know, oh, like we'll see how this goes. Uh, but when you're not bad players anymore unfortunately right of course <laughs> yeah uh anyway so ben's on a shadow brobnar disc deck with a bunch of really good stuff he's got last of broken dreams i think two ronnie's and exhume he he got out to a little bit of an early lead my deck was more about establishing a board with sanctum and kind of using that capture to keep my opponent off keys all day um and I pretty much lost my entire board to an Onyx Knight, which said destroy, which is a, a rare discard. I think it's four power and it says destroy each odd powered creature. So that like cleared off my Merrick and double a bond that I was kind of counting on to win me the game. All your Sanctum creatures other than Guardian. Sanctum Guardian's the only one that goes through that. So that was pretty tough. And then he might have even exhumed it later in the game. So it's basically like, just lock me out with that. And then finally, I think it ended up being like one key to three kept kept me off my first key forever with between like all his steel and lash of broken dreams that uh, I guess I just wasn't drawing my answer for. And then I finally forged my first key, get like a huge Mars board and like, okay, I might have something going here. Tides are turning just a little bit. And he drops champion challenge to once again, just destroy my entire board. Uh, and then that was the game. So I ended up wrapping up uh, four and two. Um, well done. Thank you. 
Yeah, well, I mean, especially especially with your your pool of decks, I'm not saying that they weren't like good decks, but like we kind of said, they're they weren't really like a standout deck, and it just sounds like you played well through the uh, I mean, through the day, other than the games where you said you lost and you played poorly, but maybe you just lost because your deck just didn't quite stack up. And uh, yeah, no, it sounds like you did well with what you were working with there. Yeah, it, it, I mean, like. I think in that last round, there were, like, one or two mistakes I made as well, but none of them would have, like, switched the game. It almost made it a little bit easier to swallow the defeat because it's like, well, that wasn't close. Like, if, it would have been almost worse if it's like, oh, I was, like, one turn away from making the cut, but it wasn't like that. Closer than I did. I eliminated myself in Voltour Seattle in game three, so <laughs> <laughs> well done. All my opponents were, you know, very gracious and uh, congratulated Ben. And then proceeded to watch him take down the whole tournament with his deck the following day. So that also made it a little bit like, okay, well, if you got to get knocked out by somebody, how about the guy who's got... To the eventual champion. Congratulations to Ben, uh, your Origins Vault Tour champion. A great guy. And all around, awesome experience. Good. Okay, so uh, before we wrap up today, we have one more important segment to go into, which is... With a mind... So we've got a uh, clear mind. And so this one was the ruling that happened at the tournament. I think everybody kind of fully expects at this point there's going to be further, well, we all hope there'll be further information from FFG to come on this. But right now, the Archimedes ruling with a board clear. So essentially, it is saying the destroyed effects will trigger before the card is removed from play. So yeah, if Archimedes is sitting in the middle of a battle line of six creatures, each creature on the battle line is going to so the destroyed effects will trigger first thus putting those creatures into your archives and then shifting the line down so then the line moves and so there now there's two new neighbors for archimedes so they too will have the destroyed effect put into archives so they will go to archives then the next two and so on and so forth until you have no more creatures and then archimedes himself will go into the discard pile um in our discord alone today i think we've got about two or three hundred <laughs> chats about this one in the uh, clear mind category and since we started doing this there's only 14 new ones i think we actually got through to the point that we all agreed that we probably need further rulings in the future on how this is going to affect other cards um such as might makes right being next to like a lion batum with different destroyed effect triggers and there's just a whole another can of worms that kind of gets opened up by this but for now We'll try to keep your guys' minds clear by not going into the full breadth of the conversation and the different examples that went on in the uh, Discord today. But if you are interested, you can definitely join the Discord and, you know, just kind of probably do a Discord search for um, Archimedes and get to the beginning of that whole conversation because, yeah, it's, uh, it's a wild new world with this new ruling. But, yeah, essentially Archimedes um, in a board wipe situation will just continue to archive whoever is next to him, therefore moving in the next creature. So the entire battle line will be archived. Yeah, and I think the kind of consensus from the community is just that, like, it's expected that there'll be weird fringe rules cases when a new set comes out, but just, like, if at all possible, 
getting clarification as soon as possible about how these things should work in an official channel rather than like a ruling at one specific tournament would be really great for the health of the game. Yeah, so don't go try to find this on an FFG website because at this point it's a verbal ruling. There is nothing officially released yet. Um, I guess there are rumors of maybe a timing chart coming out soon from FFG, which would be amazing. And I think would help clear up a lot of this to get an official like kind of timing chart on how some of these effects happen. And so hopefully that does happen and we can all have super clear minds. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Dan, where can they find you on social media? I am Danis someone, D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E and the numeral one on both Twitch and Twitter. My Twitch stream has been incredibly vacant lately. I apologize. Just life has gotten busy. Um, hopefully soon here we will have AOA on the Crucible and then, you know, the need to play a lot of games and then stream those will be very strong. But until then, I hopefully maybe we'll get a stream up here maybe this week. I don't know. Life. Fair. Uh, my name is Jake Friedman, but on Twitter, I'm just Jake Freed. That's at J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D. I'm at Jake Freed on Twitch as well. So that's it for today's episode of Sanctimonious. Thanks so much for joining us, and I hope to see you next time. Archons of the Crucible. The Vault Tour sealed events are behind us. Before us are the Archon events. Who shall reign supreme, Coda or AOA? Either way, forge those keys.